What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Spinning Sports Podcast. That is Landon Buffet, and we will see if we can get through the show without him looking cross-eyed because he's looking at himself in our multiple viewfinders. There's two of them. I can't, there's two of me there. There's one of me there. I, I'm just happy to be here first off, but it also helps to see yourself, too. It's nice to see yourself. My name is Grayson Singleton, and I am not as narcissistic as Landon <laughs> Land is. Or, or, self, or self-absorbed. Whatever, what is the word? Well... I'm not sure. I would say we're on equal playing fields in that one. So welcome back to Spinning Sports here. And <laughs> While we're talking about our ego, well, our, our egos. I think our egos are the same. There's You just express it more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So. No, Landon is actually a halfway decent person. Um, <laughs> Off to an interesting start here. Let's get talking about the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Well, it is, it's a good week. It's a good week to be a Cowboy. 30, 31 to 20 over Kansas State. The first ranked game and the first Big 12 game of the season. And now the Cowboys ranked 19th in the country are going to welcome in the 21st ranked Baylor Bears, who just knocked Oklahoma, Iowa State, who was ranked 14th, completely out of the rankings. So yeah. how are we feeling going into this week? You know, I feel great and I feel worried at the same time because okay, yeah. we're going to have our hands full with Baylor's quarterback. Okay. But at the same time, I really liked the way we looked last week. We beat a, a very good team, I think. I think that team is it the offense, they had Kansas State had struggles on offense and they started to find their identity later in that game. Right. They look more like how we normally look. Right. And they they looked very solid at the end of the game and we looked extremely we, we looked like one of the best teams in the country in the first half, but that's what we do. We play one really, really good half, and then we were like, hey, there's just no need to – let's not run up the score too much. You know, right. let's, let's yeah. just make this look like a ball game because that's – we don't our, – our, our song says – or we say that we're going to beat the – we're going to beat the H out of you, yeah. the hell out of you, and yeah. um, we don't – we don't do that. No. We we just kind of beat you. We, we do the bare minimum beat to beat you. <laughs> we beat the heck out of you. Yeah, we do the bare minimum. <laughs> and I, I'm not happy with the fact that we can constantly do the bare minimum to win games. Yeah. But there's a key phrase at the end of that is win games. And if we're winning games, there's no <laughs> complaining. That really yeah. is going to take place. So, you, yeah, you mentioned Baylor's quarterback, Jerry Bohannon or Buchanan, which is interesting about him is that he hasn't even turned the football over this mm-hmm. season. Now, the interesting thing about Spencer Sanders, he's only tried to turn the ball over once. And it, it's weird that we're saying that isn't a good thing, but that only is once. a good thing. Only it's, once. It's improvement. Yeah. Um, so where I, was, where I was going with this is I have I constructed a list, and today's theme of our show is going to be lists. So I didn't tease what we're actually going to talk about in the show because we're too busy talking about our egos. But coming up on today's show, we are going to have my and possibly Landon's uh, power rankings for heading into week four of the NFL season, as well as Landon's list of the of his top ten quarterbacks of all time. So I'm pretty sure that will be a very spirited segment as yeah, well. well. But let's talk. Let's get to our first list and Oklahoma State's win over Kansas State, and then heading into the Baylor game, a matchup of two of the big two of the three remaining unbeaten's in the Big Twelve, along with Oklahoma, who survived West Virginia. So top five players from Kansas State and then heading into Baylor. And number five, I have Jalen Warren, 204 total yards in the win over Kansas State on 31 touches. And he seems to have taken L.D. Brown's spot as the lead running back. So how does, compare and contrast Jalen Warren and L.D. Brown in terms of their playing styles and how they affect Oklahoma State? You know, it's weird because last year I would have told you L.D. 
is a very hard runner. He hits the hole. He's in because I would have told I would have said he is the the more explosive back. I would have said Chuba last year was the more patient back. He was waiting for the holes to develop. Yeah. But I haven't seen much explosiveness from LD at all besides a kick return yeah. this year, and I don't really have too many too many ways to describe LD's game this year besides a lot of lateral movement and not a lot of mm-hmm. you know vertical movement or right. going up the field. Jalen Warren is a very tough runner. I think they're both very tough runners. But Jalen Warren is going to break a couple tackles before he gets brought down. And I think that's what is so valuable about him is that RO line, while they looked very solid, actually, yeah. and the pass, the pass block was there this past Saturday against Kansas State. Yeah. The run blocking, the run block is not always. It's not always there. It's it, not always it showed, there. It showed up in spurts. Yes. And that's a good thing. We, that, is, mm-hmm. that is a lot of improvement from what it used to be. But now you have a running back who can make a, he can get hit, but he can keep going because he's going to get hit early. Yeah. And if he can make a man miss, then that just that's going to – when he gets to open field, now he's going to have more opportunities to turn a 10-yard gain into a 20-yard gain. Or right. like we saw the other day, turn a screen pass screen into – yeah. And we have been talking about the screen passes for a long time and how successful they are. And the only one that was not successful the other day is when the running back fell before the ball got to him. Yeah. And that's just unfortunate. So here's here's what I would pose to most people when we talk about Jalen Warren versus L.D. Brown. What if we could have both of them on the field at the same time? Because both of them are very elite weapons Mm -hmm. out of the backfield. And so instead of, if you want to go an empty set, since we know the team does not use tight ends right. in terms of pass catching, I believe Braden Cassidy caught a pass, and that was the most awkward-looking thing when yeah. he caught that, like, three-yard pass on the far sideline. But what if you had Jalen Warren in the backfield and three receivers, you, pick, you take your pick of your three, and then L.D. Brown? Do you, know what all, do you know what all that opens up? That opens up, yes, you know, a quick tunnel screen where you have receivers out there blocking, but you can also have an end around. Mm-hmm. a jet sweep to another running back. You know, somebody who's used to getting the ball like that instead of having a receiver who basically can go side to side, but a running back who might he might cut it up between the tackles because that's what they do. So I think just more creativity, which is something I talk about ad nauseum yes. with this team, is creativity. So just trying different things, trying different packages, keeping guys fresh, two running back approach, running back by committee. You've got a fresh, a fresh running back, and we're going to talk about the offensive line wearing down in just a minute. But just keeping guys fresh and being more creative and being more versatile, obviously, it never hurts you. No, I, I like that. Add some creativity, like you said. This this OSU team lacks. Actually, I'll take that back. You know, they, when, they, did, get, they did get somewhat creative yes, against Kansas State. And when they got creative, they put the ball in the end zone. <laughs> yeah. And then when they, they came back down to their, their safe, and gr- granted, they were winning, and we, we wanted to keep the lead. But going into half... And then coming out of half, you yeah. want to still put up points on the board. Right. You don't want to spend the whole second half running out the clock, which is what it seems like we were trying to do. Yeah. And I, I don't understand it. It's something that is reoccurring, so I'm not going to complain about it anymore because it's just making me stressed out. It's making me lose <laughs> sleep at night. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but Do you actually lose sleep? No, over? I don't lose sleep. I, I did lose sleep over the Texas game a little bit, but that was only because I was thinking about Spencer Sanders magical throw mm-hmm. to Dylan Stoner. But the, besides that, that's yeah. the, the last yeah. game I've lost sleep over was the, the Texas game. But we need some creativity, and we, yeah. need, we need to space it out. We need to come into the game instead of 
throwing all of our punches out in the first half and then, you know, just maintaining the rest of the game. Right. Ba- balance it out a little bit, you know. Yeah, yeah. Have, a, have a solid drive, maybe put up three, but then be able to answer back with a big drive after that. We need some sort of consistency. So my th- theory about what happened at the end, particularly in the second half of the game, was the offensive line just, just stopped playing. I mean, you could tell the skill position players, they were still out there playing. Spencer Sanders was still managing the game and making winning plays when needed in routes to three touchdowns. We'll get to Spencer, Spencer Sanders in a minute. But my number four impactful player was Jake Springfield, the left tackle. Okay. And why was he so important here? And really not really important because the word is not important. It is top five impactful players. Yes. So that, let, that, that leaves it open to being negative. Yes. And Jake Springfield was penalized at least on three different occasions. And basically, he, he was awful in the, in the second half. And he's the one that, you, that really stood out when the offensive line just stopped making holes, stopped manufacturing protection. You know, Spencer Sanders went back to his old rush state. Yes. And the, the offensive line had, had the running backs going lateral instead of vertical. Mm-hmm. So, and Jake Springfield had a lot to do with that. He killed a lot of drives. Yeah. And one thing, we, one thing we, we forget is that Oklahoma State was moving the ball up and yeah. down the field in the second half. The reason they didn't score is because they would have ill-timed holding calls. And a few of those were on Jake Springfield. So, to that, you say what? Well, I say that he definitely was impactful in, in those drives and killing those drives. Yep. But I will say this, and I don't wanna I don't wanna knock the guy too much because there were while we're gonna sit here and pick apart the negative things that he did right. on that game, there were definitely a plethora of positive things that he did. Yep. And he was definitely instrumental in opening up and you you hinted at that and you said it, that he was instrumental in opening up lanes. Yep. And I still think a lot of the things he did that game were were very positive. And so while he had some very negative plays, I still I don't want to knock the guy too much because mm-hmm. he's in the trenches each and every play on offense, and he's he was the reason Spencer Sanders had time right. to deliver. Also and, impactful. Exactly. And I think that overall the O-line, Springfield, anybody on that O-line, if they can in not only just play at the level, which they did Saturday, because Saturday's I've, asking the O-line to go out there and do what they did against Kansas State is not – that's not asking too much because they, they were good, but they were not great. And asking them to go out there and do well and do their job, any of the O-linemen, if they do their job, the OSU football team is going to look like one of the best teams in the country. Yeah, and you, and you saw it. And, and we saw it. And, you know, now that used to be a theory. It's like, I wonder if the offensive line played halfway decent, what it would look like. Right. Well, now we know. Now we know. Now we know. I mean, 31 points were really mm-hmm. 24 because there was a defensive touchdown in there. Right. But 24 points in one half. for At any level of football, that's pretty good. Oh, yeah. So, and and like you said, we were just asking, hey, just do your job halfway right. competently. Mm-hmm. So, and we put up four, 24 points. Now, Baylor is not a team that's going to present much of a threat defensively. I mean, that's just a Baylor thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, any team can manufacture protection when your offensive line is playing switcheroo up in, up in there. Yeah. But now the offensive line seems solidified. They seem cohesive. They, you know, they were making a lot of checks, is what I noticed a lot. And Spencer Sanders was clean for the majority of the game. No, yeah. Spencer Sanders looked very mature yeah. on Saturday. Yeah. And I would say 50% of that can be attributed to him 
and I would say the other 50 goes to the offensive line. And speaking of that first 50%, number three is, in fact, Spencer Sanders. Top five impactful players in OSU's win over Kansas State and heading it to Baylor. Spencer Sanders, 22 of 34, 344 passing yards and three total touchdowns. I believe it was 50 rushing yards as well, so he accounted for a large portion mm -hmm. of that offense. But the main thing that I didn't say there is no turnovers. Exactly. His second consecutive clean game. And, and I believe you said that prior to the game, I believe you thought he was going to have a... So I, said, I said he'd have another clean game. And he said he'd have a clean game. And that's really what is going to decide how the, game, how the outcome of our games are. Yeah. If Spencer Sanders is turning the ball over, then we're going we're gonna to struggle defensively, oh, yeah. offensively, and that's really any quarterback. Even when Spencer Sanders is going to turn the ball over here or there, every quarterback does. I mean, especially, look, at, look at Spencer Rattler ex exactly, over at OU. Especially one like Spencer Sanders, who's, who's always moving around somehow. They're, yeah. he, they're, they're keeping him involved with bootlegs, with read options. He's, the offense is centered around him right now, and so, which it should be. Right. And if he can keep the ball in our hands, yeah. I'm very confident heading into Baylor. So one of the plays that stood out to me over the entire game was there was a fumbled snap. I believe it was in the first quarter. I believe it was like a second down and nine, second and eight, something like that. And it was down in the red zone. Mm -hmm. And there was a fumbled snap. And he went to pick it up. And he got really close to the ground, but then, but then picked it up and ran for nine yards. Yeah. And I remember one of our friends that was there watching it with us, he was like, he just turned to me, he was like, yeah, Shane could not do that. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, no, Shane would be on his face um, trying to pick that ball up. And just, you know, that athleticism, the improvisation skills, I mean, he, he can do so much. He can pull so much stuff out of his you-know-what, you know, that's just so fantastic right. that can keep you in games and then obviously win you a game like he did against Kansas State, using his legs to score a touchdown. And he threw, and he threw a bunch of good balls oh, yeah. in that game as right. well. No, he was he threw a lot of, of very very solid passes and a lot of a lot of plays where he was putting the ball where his receiver and only his receiver could get it. That touchdown that he threw in the uh, back corner of the end zone to I believe it Tate was, Martin. It was Tate Martin. Yeah, beautiful throw. I mean, yeah. just put it in the basket for him. Spencer Sanders looked like the quarterback that we've expected Spencer Sanders to right. grow into, mm -hmm. and that's one game. And there are there are many games which Spencer Sanders has disappointed us, but this one game. Could be it's, the start of something even, new. You've probably seen a lot of the lows that Spencer mm -hmm. Sanders can present, but when you see that ceiling, and we don't even know if that's the ceiling. Who knows? Maybe, right. he, had, maybe he has a 400-yard passing right. game up there, which we could see this weekend against Baylor. Um, but now, now that you see it, you know, now he's got something to build on. You know, they've got film to watch and say, mm -hmm. all right, this is what he did well. These are the calls that he really was able to take us over the top yeah. after being called. And he's getting more comfortable making his own checks at, at the line. I just, I, I love it. And, you know, seeing your quarterback progress from obviously being a sophomore during a pandemic year, you know, the weird offseason, to now, mm -hmm. you know, you're starting to get your receivers back. And, you know, now you've, you've had a full year plus in the offense. There's, there's only better that can come mm -hmm. from this. No, I, I think Spencer Sanders, and I, I would say the most important quality I think a quarterback can possess is improvis improvisation. Mm -hmm. And the ability to improvise, especially with a tough O line that, yep. that might not be yep. there for you. And, and against a good defensive and line a good like, defensive like Kansas line. State was. And that's what Spencer brings to the table. And that's what a lot of quarterbacks don't bring to the table. Yeah. Is the ability to improvise, the ability to turn something or to turn nothing into something. Yeah. And we see that a lot from Sanders. That's why I think when we do see his ceiling, it's so it's just like, oh my it's goodness, so, this guy's so got not, something. Right. And then we're like, Yeah, but will we see it again? Right.
We go to a school full of pessimists. I think we'll have a good game for Spencer Sanders again. I agree. I don't know if it'll be 344 yards, but I think he'll play well against Baylor. Number two most impactful player, Colby Harvell Peel. And this is my favorite player on the OSU team, period. But eight total tackles and an interception. Now, the thing about Colby Harvell Peel in terms of why I am so high on him and I love him so much is because he now is taking that role of the signal caller mm -hmm. on the defense now that Trey Sterling is out. And the early returns with the defense have been pretty good. Yeah. You know, you gave up, I believe it was 20 points to the high-flying Boise State offense that was dropping 40 on everybody. Mm -hmm. And then you shut down Kansas State. Now, granted, Kansas State was down to their backup quarterback and eventually down to their third string, which, by the way, I did find out Will Howard was actually benched in the middle of the game, okay. not exactly injured. Okay. Um, but, you know, you, you shut down two really quality opponents. He had, he had an interception in both games. He's making tackles in the run game. You know, he's being a presence in the middle of the field and deep as well. So he seems to be, as he's asked to do more, you know, how, how this, this term, to, to whom much is given, much yeah. is expected. Yeah. Well, he's, he's been given a lot. He's been given a lot of free, way, free reign mm -hmm. by Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator. And he just seems to be giving in return just more than what they're giving. Yeah. So now you're just seeing a guy who really is playing like a second round, second round borderline first round pick. In yep. the NFL draft, he's he is a great safety, and he's even transitioning into now being that signal caller of the defense, and it's fantastic to watch. Well, I agree. I was very impressed by his performance this past weekend. I love when defensive players step up and make big plays, and you see them progress and do. And I, for an example, right now, the Cowboys' corner Trayvon Diggs, yes, is yes. is similar in that boat, where you're seeing a player progress into. His potential, yeah, and especially on the defense as a corner, and I, I really like when corners oh, take yeah. that next step and become you know a, kind of a shutdown guy or yeah. one one of those one of those big presences, one a big presence on the field. You know, one of one of my least favorite things about this NFL, this NFL season so far is that I always talk about how the Cowboys can't get turnovers. Yeah, they've turned they've turned people over more than any other team. Oh, in they the NFL. and that that to me, and we'll get to that and maybe a little bit because I when we're talking about yeah. the NFL power rankings. Yep. The Cowboys defense was only trending upward mm -hmm. and they're young and they're getting turnovers. Well, of course they were trending upward. They couldn't go much further That's true. You down. Can't rock bottom, you can't really go any <laughs> lower. But that being said, the Cowboys defense, both Cowboys defenses, Dallas Cowboys, OSU Cowboys are looking not only improved and it's tough for us to say an OSU defense looks right. improved. That is saying something. I think that this Oklahoma State defense mm -hmm. is the best I've seen in a while. Yeah. And I would say might be the best maybe the past two decades. Here's the thing about the Oklahoma State defense is that as we progress through it throughout Big 12 play, when we go, obviously, we welcome Baylor mm -hmm. here. Then we travel to Iowa State, travel to West Virginia, and then obviously welcome Oklahoma for mm -hmm. Bedlam. You're going to have to turn people over. Right. You know, you're not going to get away with just making stops and getting mm -hmm. off the field. You're going to have to be opportunistic and turn people over. Mm -hmm. So they, so the OSU defense has an interception in the Boise State game. They had, did they? They did not turn. They did not turn Tulsa over. No. And they turned K State over twice. One was a one was a, the touchdown, the fumble recovery. So you're going to have to continue to really get turnovers to keep these offenses off the field and sim and at the same time simultaneously putting your offense back on the field with mm -hmm. short fields to go and in scoring position, which hopefully the offense can score touchdowns because we know our kicker sucks. Yeah, our kicker, 
It stinks because being a kicker, you have one job, and it is, it's a tough job because I, there's, there's a lot of pressure on you, I, but you have one job. Right. You have one job. I, I heard it was some girl somewhere in within 100 feet of us at the game. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, what, does, what do they do at practice? <laughs> After Alex Hale missed like his second field goal of the day, I was like, you ain't wrong. Beats me. You ain't wrong. Who do you think is number one without number looking one at on, my notes? Oh, Malcolm Rodriguez. It is not Malcolm Rodriguez. Without you looking at your notes, yeah, I don't know who's your number one. It's going to be Tate Martin. Tate Martin, interesting. And the reason I have Tate Martin as the number one impactful player is his return. You saw when he returned. That's true. Because remember, he, Jaden Bray, Bryson Green were out against Boise State, and as a result, the team only threw the ball 13 times, mm-hmm. completing six passes with a lot of drops mixed in there. But since he, and he was the only one that returned out of the three, and Spencer Sanders threw the ball almost triple the amount of times. And Tay Martin ended up with nine receptions for 100 yards and two touchdowns. And, and, and one touchdown, excuse me. So it seemed like just his return just opened up the offense just yeah. so much. And it was exciting to watch him. He has a great catch radius, too. Yeah. Because a lot of times Spencer didn't put the ball directly on him. He just put it where only his receiver had right. a chance to get it. And he went and got it, which is, which is a great skill to have yes. for a quarterback which, whose one of the questions we have is accuracy. Right. I, I like that, and I agree. The, the impact that he had on that game is undeniable. The offense looked just so much more electric. Mm-hmm. But the, the tendency that they had to pass the ball this past Saturday versus against Boise where we were just running the ball, I feel like that has definitely has something to do with the lack of Tate Martin in the lineup. But I think it has more to do with the fact that Kansas State's run defense, which we still made look average, yeah, and we <laughs> ran best. the ball very well against, yeah. But that run defense was so much more just advanced than Boise's run defense. Boise's run defense is awful. Advanced and not to mention just straight up better. Just all around better. And so I think the the change in game plan was due to the the team we were facing. But that being said, there's no denying that Tate Martin brings a whole new aspect to OSU's offense. And when we look ahead to next week's game against Boise State, I mean against Baylor, excuse me, you know, you're going to have to put up points. Oh, because yeah. as good as the defense is, they're going to let up some points because Boise, because, my gosh, Happens. Baylor can actually can, can put up points. Yeah. They can put up points. And now, maybe we see a situation where the defense actually does hold down a high-powered offense like they did against Boise State. This time, I actually said it intentionally. But, you know, Baylor, you know, Big 12 team, a little, yeah. little, little more prestige there. Maybe the defense rises to the challenge and the offense says, oh, crap, we've got to go score, put up points. And we end up with a thirty-seven to seven thing, you know, affair. Yeah. So you know, you never know. So I, I just a question, a question just popped up in my head. Go for it. And I can't. Besides OU last year, and tell me if I'm forgetting something. In a, in the last year and a half, when has OSU and our offense not delivered or not kept up with the team for most of the game, if not the whole game? Besides OU, I can't think of ever one. since ever since. We've obviously the Cheez It Bowl in Miami is the one yeah. that comes to mind, but it's not like the offense has had to really keep up with anybody because they blew out Baylor last year, laid an egg against TCU, scraped by against Kansas State. Granted, the defense gave up only 18 points, beat Iowa State 27 to 24. So it's not like. But what I'm saying is, yeah, it seems in a Texas game was high scoring. That that is one that they did. One keep of the up. game. That, that is one game they did keep. But up it's, to answer it that seems directly. as if our identity is 
letting our offense do enough to win games. Yeah. And whether that be would, put up 50 right. or put up 20 and yeah. let our defense almost control how the, our offense is going to play. Yeah. And that's yeah. – So, that's so yeah, that, that's interesting because now this, this time against Boise State, you're uh, – It happens. <laughs> Events against Baylor – Boise State. That's it. There's <laughs> wow. just so many things wow. going uh, against against Baylor. It's been a long day against Baylor. You know, Baylor is a ranked uh, is a yeah. ranked opponent now. You know, we're they're really in the hunt for a Big Twelve champion championship, and that's mm-hmm. not something that was the case last year. Right. So now you're going to have to keep up with a actually quality opponent in totality. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. But you know, my top five impactful players: Jalen Warren, Jake Springfield, for more negative reasons. Spencer Sanders, Colby Harvell Peel, and Tate Martin. Maybe this list will look a little bit different after the Baylor game on Saturday. 6 p.m. kickoff again on ESPN2. Pre-game show with yours truly at 5 o'clock on OkaliTV.com. And Landon, the floor is yours. I appreciate that. So this subject of the top 10 quarterbacks of all time has been one that I have loved to discuss mm-hmm. since I was just a young elementary school kid. And that is because You're I... You're weird. I, well... <laughs> Yeah, but I feel like this is okay because <laughs> I always argued for who do you think I would always argue for as the best quarterback of all time? It was do, Tom Brady. And it. up until, you know, I would say three years ago, really after he won his sixth, everyone or the majority of people would admit that. Yeah. But now it's it's undeniable from everyone, I, I hope. So my as we discuss the top ten quarterbacks, I will refrain from – Speaking Tom Brady's name again, as he is my number one. Probably, I was going to say, until we get to number one. There's no need to, there's no need to talk about it. He's number one. There's no, every, yeah. there's evidence all around the world on why he's number one. <laughs> so I'll start with number 10. <laughs> and this is the guy I'm calling my shot here. Because right. this guy by now is no means, as far as accolades. Okay. And as far as careers in that top 10. But. Okay. As far as a quarterback. Okay. Number 10 of all time is Russell Wilson. We talked of, I think we talked about this yes. off air before. Yeah, before. Yeah, so this doesn't surprise me. You know, I don't mind. Yeah, I would like an MVP in there. Uh, yeah, I probably would like an additional Super Bowl, but I'm pretty sure I'm going, I'm going to go out on a limb, and actually I haven't seen this list, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say you probably have guys like Drew Brees and Dan Marino in there as well. Mm-hmm. So a guy that has one Super Bowl and a, and a guy that has none. So, Russell Wilson does have that Super Bowl. He has been to another. Um, did I guess that correctly? Well, you'll see um, who I mentioned you know, next. The uh, next Russell Wilson, he has a lot of ta- – he has, you know, top ten tangible skills, mm-hmm. especially as a deep ball thrower. Yes. So, I don't mind from that part. But I think his resume in terms of accolades isn't really there. Right. Not to mention that his play and, and you know, consequently the play of his team decreases after usually around week – Glad you said so that. So I'm not really sure about about that. Because the play of his team has never, ever resulted in a losing season. And now right. why early on in his career, he had a very stacked defense. And yes. his offenses have always been very solid. If you really want to think about the receivers he's thrown to throughout his career, there hasn't been too many... Except recently. So, yeah. There's been some, they've all been very solid receivers. I'm not right. taking away from yeah. them. But now he's got superstars. Right. But Russell Wilson, I believe, might be the most complete quarterback of all time. And I say this because he throws the best deep ball ever. Okay. And as far as running quarterbacks and mobile quarterbacks, Russell Wilson is the perfect balance between a quarterback who runs the ball hmm. and a quarterback 
who is able to maneuver in the pocket, run the ball if needed, but stay in that pocket and deliver deliver passes downfield or wherever he needs to. Because most mobile quarterbacks get themselves hurt or get themselves in trouble by running the football. Okay, since okay, since you mentioned hurt, you did kind of uh, you know you did kind of counter what I was going there because when you say mobile quarterbacks, I was thinking Aaron Rodgers. Right. You know, who I think is just as mobile and just as fast mm-hmm. as Russell Wilson. Mm, and throw, not as fast, but we'll and, throw, and throw those We'll balls. get to that man. I'm pretty sure we'll get to we'll get I'm pretty sure we'll get to him. Uh, who's number nine? Number nine is Dan Marino. Okay. And there really doesn't need to be much said here about Dan Marino. Great career. Yeah. Statistically, I mean, had a lot of records. Had the passing record, mm-hmm. uh, the yards record, until Brees broke it. The only thing missing from Marino was that ring, except he, he got a league MVP, which is what my next guy, Drew Brees, at number eight, does not have. This is a league MVP. and But he's got the ring. And it's weird because Dan Marino and Drew Brees are almost – I would about say they're about the same in this, yeah. in this argument, mm-hmm. besides the point that Breeze has a ring, but Marino's got the MVP. If you, yeah. They each have what the other one's missing. Yeah. And that's why those to me are interchangeable, but just because Breeze broke Marino's records, he was kind of yeah. Marino, the newer Marino. So let's also take this into consideration that Breeze also played in an era in which obviously it was more conducive to passing. Right. Um, Marino, and I like how you put him ahead of Marino, and here's the reason why. Because Drew Brees had a lot of noteworthy seasons all throughout his career. Yeah. Obviously, we, when it comes to Marino, we think about the 5,000-yard mm-hmm. passing season, the first person to ever do that. That was, I believe, in his second or third year, if not his first, when he took Miami to the Super Bowl and just never got back. Yeah. Whereas Brees took New Orleans to multiple NFC Championship games, you know, mm-hmm. even outside of winning Super Bowl 44 right. or the Colts. So, not to mention, Breeze also stood the test of time. The one thing about Drew Breeze is that he did not age particularly well. No. His arm looks shot, you know, these last yeah. three years of, of his career, you know. And I'm pretty sure he's glad he's retired. I'm glad he's retired, too, because, you know, it pains me to see quarterbacks just wear down like that. But having Marino, having Marino at nine and Drew Breeze at eight, pretty solid so far. You got, you got a good list so far. Well, let's keep it going then, because at number seven, I have, and I'm going to try to hide this list from you, because I've got all my names here. Oh, I'm not even, I can't read your handwriting. (laughs) My handwriting's phenomenal. All right, it's it's not phenomenal, it's all right. Anyway, Johnny Unitas is at number seven. Oh, okay. And and I put Johnny Unitas at seven, because he was the first guy. Like, he was the first big quarterback name. He's the, the guy that... All the old heads, oh, that's 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 the GOAT right there. Yeah. And that's just because he was the first greatest of all time. So, yeah, let's talk about Johnny Unitas. He was the first greatest of all mm-hmm. time. Um, I believe, obviously, the 1960 NFL championship between the Colts, between the Baltimore Colts and the, and the Giants yeah. was one of the more iconic games still today mm-hmm. in, in NFL history. Um, you know, he... Obviously, his numbers are not going to blow you away because right. he played the, the majority of his career in mm-hmm. the 50s. And I believe that, that championship was in 58, I believe mm-hmm. is what that was. But, no, fantastic quarterback. Definitely the greatest quarterback of his era, mm-hmm. un- undoubted, undoubtedly. Right. So, yeah, I, I would go. There's not really much I can say about yeah, and yeah because, the, I mean, my parents weren't even born. I, I have <laughs> Unitas on my list to respect how great he was for his time. Yeah. But I struggle to put him above the rest of the names okay. that I'll mention just because of the fact that, A, they played in an era where they were required to be better. Right. 
and B, just statistically, they're just... Right. Also, not to mention that Johnny Unitas played also in an era and I, where the forward pass was in its, was in its it, infancy. Right. It was... He really... Him and then, I believe, Sid Luckman, Chicago's quarterback... Sid Luckman, yes. ...were the two very early... Not to mention Sammy Baugh as well. Yes, with Sammy Washington. Baugh. They were, the, they were the guys that started the whole forward yes. pass mm-hmm. movement, but... I'll go to six here. Yeah. And this is a guy who I want to put higher because of his three consecutive MVPs. Okay. But it's Brett Favre. Brett Favre, okay. He only won one ring. He Yeah. He's the only thing that plagues his career is interceptions. Yeah. The gunslinger. Yeah. And it stinks because he's thrown for five hundred and I believe five five hundred and eight touchdowns and then three hundred and thirty six interceptions. He had a lot of records before Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Right, would go but on that's to break why those. he's yeah. there because he was the guy who set a lot of records. Him right. and Marino set a lot of records yes. for these guys to break. Favre's number six. It's only right that the guy that comes after him is the guy who came after him in Green Bay. <laughs> yeah, Aaron Rodgers Aaron is my Rogers. number five. Okay, three MVPs, one Super Bowl, the most efficient quarterback ever. So I think when it comes to Aaron Rodgers because he only has three MVPs, which I mean, that's that's a decent amount too. That's a, that's a lot I more I would than, say only three of them. That's a lot of MVPs. Well, when we get to the Tom Brady's and the Peyton Manning's of the world, you know, who have, I believe Brady has four MVPs. Brady's MVP. got three. Brady has three and Peyton Manning has five. Right. So, <clears throat> yeah, so obviously the only, but three mm-hmm. MVPs, I think I, sometimes I forget he has that many. I know mm-hmm. he's the reigning NFL MVP as it stands right now, but Aaron Rodgers, a lot of what makes him the greatest quarterback of all time because he only has one Super Bowl? Or not, oh, I'm sorry. One of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I apologize. <laughs> I probably just set off Landon there. Uh, fire extinguisher, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Okay, situation diffused. Um, but is a lot of in, 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 immeasurables. Yes. We, we, see, yes. we just see the arm talent on, the a, on, a, on a week-to-week basis, and we're like, my God, nobody right. else has ever been able to do that. And he does it more – he almost does – it better than Patrick Mahomes does. Oh, 100%. Be- because, you know, we talk about this off-air a lot because we know you like to call Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mafraud. Um, but t- he led the league in dropped interceptions right. la- last year. Patrick Mahomes did. And pa- and Aaron Rodgers does a lot of the things Mahomes does, aside from, you know, trying to throw left-handed, without the near disasters. Right. So I think he is the dr- the most talented quarterback of all time. Agree. No doubt. No question about that. But I think he's going to need, you know, another Super Bowl or two, which is highly possible depending on, you know, what happens this year with Green Bay and then where he goes yeah, right. afterwards. So I think, I think there's a lot of upward mobility for Aaron Rodgers, just considering that he is undoubtedly the greatest quarterback talent of all time. I agree, and I think one more ring puts him into three, into the third spot. Okay. I think two more rings puts him into the number two spot. What does he have to do? What does he have to do to pass Brady? Uh, because he's not going to win seven Super Bowls. I I always said that Rodgers needed four, but I, I I that was when Brady had six. I don't think I think Rodgers does need to go because okay at least at least six. Rodgers needs to go to at, so go really, to at least six. Okay, and win okay, four, win five because you Brady know, proved that winning was probably just him the whole time. It was he was the I'm not saying just him, but the reason the Patriots won those Super Bowls okay. was due to him, not due to the Patriot way. Right, and okay. so Rodgers has got to win probably you know, what, five. What, what we also forget about you know Tom Brady is even though he's won seven, he's also been to been to ten. Been to 10. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. crazy. And who's number four? 
which leads me to my four, who I have him at four because of the amount of Super Bowls he's appeared in. John Elway. John Elway. Yeah. And John Elway <laughs> is the second. He's he's in the number two spot when it comes to how many Super Bowls a quarterback Super Bowl has appeared yeah. in. And he was in the number one spot until Brady did his thing and pa- tied him, yeah. then went on and passed him. But Elway and Belichick said it. Belichick said Elway is the greatest thrower of the football he's ever seen. I w- and when after some- watching highlights of him, I wouldn't doubt it. And that's that's to me what sets John Elway aside. Yeah, John Elway's got two rings. He went to five. He has, I believe, one league MVP. Yes. And so... Almost actually didn't even play football. He yeah. Was, well, he, was, he was drafted well, as a baseball player. He got drafted by the, the Colts, and he was just like the Baltimore Colts. He's like, I'm, yes. I'm not playing for y'all. I'm going to go play baseball. Yeah. And then... Ended up with Denver. Yeah. And so... There you go. He won them two Super Bowls. The reason Elway is not above my next guy is because Elway. So let me touch on El- let me touch on Elway right okay. quick. Okay. So Elway, in my opinion, you know, obviously played before I was born, mm-hmm. but I've watched. You know, his it's recent enough to where we can sort of compare yeah. Elway to modern quarterbacks. And yes, he's not going to have the gaudy numbers that guys that I'm going to compare him to have. He was Aaron Rodgers before Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion. Dude, I was about to say that. <laughs> I was gonna say that. No, so you you saw you just see the the mobility yeah. and the way that he can just throw on the run, throw with just with just a flick of the mm-hmm. wrist. Probably second greatest arm talent of all time yeah. until Patrick Mahomes uh, came along. But man, he was man he was an entertaining quarterback. He was there for the different eras of the Denver Broncos. Yeah. Finally won him a Super Bowl and then went ahead and then went and yeah. won another That's one. Right. You know, he he beat Brett Favre, who was another great quarterback yeah. of all time. Obviously, he's on your list. Um, no, John Elway was was fantastic, man. That 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 was. That's what I'm saying. He was one of the first guys when you watched him play the game of football to to really jump off the screen at you as yeah. far as his playing style and the way he played the game. I've heard a lot of people compare him to Rodgers in that sense, and that's where I was going to get at, and you did it, and I'm I'm glad. That's probably <laughs> one of the better comparisons. Yeah. And. Now that we are, we just came off of a high note of agreeing. I don't think you're gonna like. You, I don't know how how you'll think of this, but Peyton Manning's my number three, which I believe is Montana. Your number two? Yes, Montana. That leaves Montana. So, which we can, I guess, we can have a little bit of a conversation about this now that we know okay. Montana's two and. Okay, so the big difference between and Montana was fantastic, mm-hmm. and obviously we never saw Montana. Based on what I understand about how the 49ers ran, and, my, and this has just been a terrible day for my mic, um, I'm going to have to start wearing shirts like you. Yeah. That's more conducive to, to these kind of microphones. Um, based on what I know about the 49ers, it looks like Montana, as great as he was, also benefited a lot from yeah. the ingenuity of Bill Walsh mm-hmm. and that system that, he, that they ran. Obviously, Jerry Rice was there, and John Taylor, Roger Craig, and they had an array of weapons there. The thing that would put Montana ahead of Peyton Manning for for me is the fact that more postseason success. That's that's what dif- that's what differentiates. Because in terms too. of a talent, Peyton Manning is a better talent. Now, even though Peyton Manning's arm has been vastly overrated mm-hmm. over the over the course of his career, and you saw that arm, it it just wasted away so quickly. Yeah. Postseason success. Obviously, you know, he has four, and then his successor, Steve Young, won the fifth Super right. Bowl for the 49ers. Peyton Manning, to me, is the greatest regular season quarterback of all time. 
Uh, I don't I don't think there's any five MVPs makes that very hard to argue. Five MVPs, most touchdown passes in a season, mm -hmm. which if that continues to stand after the NFL throws in another game, not to mention Peyton Manning only played 15 games that year because right. there was no need for him to play in the 16th. So he threw 5,500 passing yards in 15 games, 55 touchdowns in that 2013 season, you know. He has so many regular season records. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I think also what drops him behind guys like Brady and Montana and possibly at some point Aaron Rodgers is that Peyton Manning did not take the greatest care of the football. Right. Peyton Manning did throw a lot of interceptions, but, you know, in terms of how many passes he attempted, yeah. you know, you can kind of forgive it unless you compare him really to Aaron Rodgers. Right. Because Aaron Rodgers is the most efficient quarterback of all time. Um, but postseason success really matters here. And that's where, obviously, Brady comes into number one. Right. I'd say Montana, two. If you want to throw that in there, I, I, I'm going to agree. Peyton Manning, three. I don't think Peyton Manning goes any lower than three or four. Right. I, For me, I always struggle to to place basically my two through four, and that's Elway, Manning, and Montana. And so I I put Montana above Elway just because – just straight off of the yeah. fact that Elway liked to lose Super Bowls early on in his career. You know, Elway liked to lose Super Bowls, and the fact of the matter is is that Denver was just so overmatched in a lot of those Super Bowls. That's true. Because I believe a couple of times, did they not run into the Cowboys at the height of Dallas's, you know, pedigree and reign over the NFL? I think I, I think remember. they did. I don't I don't I wonder I don't know if Aaron I don't know if uh, Elway was actually the um the quarterback for a lot of those. I know Craig Morton was was the Denver starter against one time when I think they got blown out like fifty-five to ten by Dallas. But he did, but he did. I think they he did get beat by Dallas. Yeah, was that, that was under Craig Morton. That was a little bit before John Elway. But no, Elway liked the Super Bowls, and it took yeah. him a while to actually get himself over the mm -hmm. hump. But you know, I think Elway had the most fantastic ending to a career oh, yeah. of any quarterback. He won back-to-back -back Super Bowls and then retired. Um, so you want you want to watch Brady do it this year? You know, I don't think Brady will win another Super Bowl just because of how suspect Tampa's defense is. And we're, we're well, gonna, actually perfect we're, segue. We're going to get to that, but uh, but yeah, as we segue into um, the week three power rankings heading into week four, fantastic list. Thank you. I do not have. I don't have any. I have. You know, I'm glad you didn't put Ben Roethlisberger in there. Oh no, good, good night. Um, no. I will ask you this real quick because I did see this on first take. Is Eli Manning a, a, a Hall of Famer? Hall of Famer, yes, and that's really? just because. See, you're the last person I would expect to say that. I, I actually really like Eli Manning. And you take away the fact that he beat Brady twice in the Super Bowl. <laughs> he's a stand-up guy. Yeah. He's kind of, in a weird, awkward way, he's hilarious. <laughs> yes. And, and opposed to his brother Peyton, who's just straight up he's hilarious. He's just straight up hilarious, yeah. But Eli's, it's, I don't know, there's something about Eli I yeah. like. And he, for some reason, he showed up in big moments. He did. He won two Super Bowls, and he beat the greatest team I think we've ever seen assembled and that we've seen have a great season. Like, we've seen teams that right. I believe could have probably beaten that Patriots team right. across the board. Mm -hmm. But as far as one of the teams that had one of the greatest seasons was probably the most, I, if, I can't, if I remember correctly, because mm -hmm. I know the Rams versus the Patriots, that Super Bowl, the Patriots were the greatest underdogs in Super Bowl history. Yeah. But I would have to guess that the Giants were greater underdogs when they beat the 16-0 Patriots. Yeah. He had one of the most impressive Super Bowl wins ever. Mm -hmm. I his his regular season stats are by no means phenomenal. He also fit the Manning trend of just not yes, not taking he care does, of football. Yeah, he did like to throw the football into the. Their dad did that too. It, it it was just a I think it's a family and 
family. Well, hopefully, thing. hopefully the new, hopefully Arch Archie Manning, Arch of uh, like can take care of the football. Yeah, better. as a Hall of Famer, yes, Eli Manning, and it won't be first ballot. It won't be. It, it'll be a while. It, it might be. But I, I believe at some point. So I believe he will get in. Mm-hmm. You know, and also a lot of the Hall of Fame is how you contribute to the game of football. Right. You know, it's not just you as a football player. But, you know, there's so many ways. He's, he's a humanitarian. Mm-hmm. I believe he's won a Walter Payton Man of the Year as yeah, well. Yeah, he did. I think he is a Hall of Famer in that regard. Now, in terms of is he a Hall of Famer in terms of being, playing football, that is, that is a lot more debatable. And, you know, we, we can argue that maybe he is not. Right. He, but also, I would say this. The best argument to putting Eli Manning in the Hall of Fame is Joe Namath is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that to me, actually Joe, might just... just yeah. I mean, we, Set we, it right we can, there, we can yeah. just we can stop there yeah. because the reason Joe Namath is in the Hall of Fame is because he guaranteed they'd win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Other than that, Joe Namath is, is nowhere close to a Hall of Fame quarterback right. if you look at the stats. But that, that's just an offshoot. Let's get to the power, power, let's get to the power rankings. So I've got two honorable mentions before we go through the top ten. Honorable mention number one: Green Bay, okay. not in the top ten. Interesting. And the way how I do my power rankings, it's, it's very fluid. So okay. I had them around seven or eight before the season, and then they dropped that egg against New Orleans. And I was like, okay, you guys go all the way down because your defense looks awful. Granted, their defense still does not look very good, but it's been better. But right now, they're back on the upswing, so they're at 11. And then my second honorable mention, Denver. I'm, I'm glad you don't have Denver in the top 10. Hey, and, I, and I, I, I could, I could, separate, I could you, separate my fandom from, you know, reality. And I tried to do that. And then I bet against the Bucks to go to the Super Bowl mm-hmm. last year. And I'm never – and I, I don't – when I bet against Tom Brady, proves me wrong. If I'm wrong, I'm just going to bet with my guys. But I, it's nice that you can yeah, separate that. I can do that. But yeah. also, you have a, a, a decent case for putting them in the top ten. You so do. it wouldn't be the worst thing. And, the, and that case is their defense. Yes. Is their defense is fantastic, and, their, and they finally have a quarterback that doesn't turn the ball over, and an offense that actually get up and down the field. Mm-hmm. So I think as time continues to go on, especially if they beat Baltimore this week, they're a top ten team, in my opinion, yes. if they beat the Ravens this week. Yes. Now, let's go into the top ten. Number ten, Tennessee. And so they're 2-1 and one after beating Indianapolis. They're now 2-0 and oh after that beatdown against the Cardinals. And really, they've only the main concern for them is their defense. They don't put pressure on the quarterback very much, and they also don't turn people over. They only have one through the first yeah. three games, but they still have King Henry, yes. and that offense still has AJ Brown whenever he gets back from the hamstring injury, and Julio Jones. Yes, I like that. Very well coached team. Yes, Patriot guy. Yes, and when at this point in the season, records mean about as much as. Right. Something that doesn't mean that much. You know, particularly because there's this thing about guys just not playing in the preseason. So maybe these first two, sometimes three games, right. are an extension of the preseason as guys try to continue to get acclimated with everybody because right. for some, they just don't play. Right. Um, number nine, Baltimore. So they were seven last week in my power rankings. Two and one, they barely beat Detroit. You know, yeah, yeah you won, but you don't move up for, you know, barely yeah. beating the... No. And also... Should they really have beaten Detroit? Because there was definitely a delay of game. That was, there was that a was delay of game. Clearly missed. A, a, a great kick from Justin Tucker. 66 yards. Fantastic. But that being said, did squeak in by the hair of his chinny chin chin. So, thank you for quoting the three little pigs. Um, what, <laughs> if they did call the delay of game, that would have pushed the hypothetical 
game-winning field goal to 71 yards. Yeah, Do you think he would have made no, it? No, he wasn't. No. Okay. Hey, hey, he wasn't making that. But yeah, still, probably. 66 is crazy. New NFL record. Broke my guy Matt Prater's record. Number eight, the Raiders. And the Raiders are the team that I was so flagrantly wrong about. Because I thought the Raiders, number one, I thought their defense was awful. Um, and because of it, and just the you know mm -hmm. weird relationship that John Gruden has with Derek Carr, I thought the Raiders would maybe win five or six games. Mm -hmm. They are now 3-0, and basically halfway to that. Yeah. And this is their best start since 2002. And do you know what happened in 2002? Tuck rule. Y y uh, no, that, no that, was the, that was the year before that. Oh, you're, oh, I'm thinking that was, 2000. Either, that was I'm either, thinking that was like the year actual before. year 2002. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not taking 2002 season. Uh, yeah. 2002 season. They went to the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, they did go to the Super Bowl and against the, uh, yeah, against the, the Bucks. Bucks and yeah. got absolutely annihilated. But they, the last time they were 3-0, they went to the Super Bowl. And Derek Carr now looks like an, no, an early Derek leader. Carr looks like a top. He's an MVP candidate. Yeah, I, he's, he's the guy that we've, early on in his career, we expected yeah. to grow into an elite quarterback. Yeah. And then throughout his career, we stopped expecting him to ever mature into that elite quarterback. We right. thought that we kind of saw his best because he got injured. Now, granted, he did break his leg. Yeah, he, he broke his leg. And that, that team, the year he broke his leg... That Raiders team was twelve and four. Was twelve and four, would have made a very interesting run in that playoffs. Yes, it would have been very interesting to see that Raiders team end up against the Patriots at some point because mm -hmm. I think that would have that was a, coll a collision course waiting to happen. But he got hurt. That team, that Oakland team at the time, and I can finally say the Oakland Raiders and be correct when I say because <laughs> they were the Oakland Raiders at that time. But they got beat in the playoffs, and then after that, we really haven't seen them return to that level of play. Right. They've had a few close calls to making the playoffs but nothing spectacular so it's pretty cool to see that team put together something over there sweet number seven carolina and they were not ranked last week because i just thought two and oh yeah yeah a lot of people go two and oh and then they just beat the brakes off of houston then i did like a deeper dive into their defense they hands down have the best defense in the league they're getting pressure mm -hmm. on the quarterback they take you away now they have to replace the production of christian mccaffrey we know and they're one of their top corners jc horn is done pretty much for the year unless he comes back in late November, which if Carolina is still, you know, one of the top teams yeah. in the NFC, that actually might mean something. But, you know, they're going to have to replace J.C. Horn. Now, they did make a trade to acquire C.J. Henderson, okay. the corner from Jacksonville, who was a former top 10 pick out of Florida. So maybe there's your help right there. Yeah. Maybe C.J. Henderson just needed a change of scenery out of Jacksonville. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people could a use lot of people could a change use of scenery out of, Jacksonville. out of Jacksonville. But Carolina, their offense with Sam Darnold is just rolling. You know now, so I think this is a great team, and you know defense can actually get you somewhere. Oh, yeah. when you can stop the opposite team from scoring, and they have a good test coming up this week against Dallas. And the age-old saying is, "Offense wins games, defense wins championships." I I don't think that's the case anymore. I really don't. I think it's defense wins you games. I offense think, wins you championships. I think I think defense puts you in position yes. for your offense to win you championships. Yes, because and, in the end, you still have to score more right. points. And uh, the Carolina. It's so hard to deny Carolina because of the things that they are doing. On paper, they look great. But then I just have a, a feeling that that Panthers offense is going to struggle against the Cowboys. Okay. I think the Cowboys are going to have a field day in that game. I don't I'm not necessarily, necessarily saying the offense is going to have a field day. But I think the Cowboys are going to have okay. one of their easier games so far. Okay. That's, that's an interesting take. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys won, mm -hmm. per se. But I do not think it will be easy. But I think this is more of a measuring stick for Carolina yes, than it, it is. is for Dallas, is. in my opinion. Um, number six, and they were ranked four last week. 
And literally the only reason this team got dropped is because two other teams just played absolutely bananas. Mm -hmm. And so Cleveland Browns, number six. Uh, win over Justin Fields and the Bears. I credit that more to Matt Nagy's incompetence than I do yeah. the, than I do Cleveland. Cleveland, obviously, you know they did what they had to do. Twenty six to six win. Mm -hmm. Was it? Was it? Mm. Yeah. Nine sacks by their defense. Oh. Four and a what? half of them by yeah. Miles Garrett, and then two of them by Jadavian Clowney. And Miles Garrett already positioning himself to make another run at Deep Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. Obviously, he's got to work through those Rams defenders, Donald and. Ramsey, who we'll touch on in a second, but what do you think about Cleveland so far? I, I don't know. It's it's Cleveland, and it's they <laughs> look great, and on paper they've looked great. Mm -hmm. And the only game that they've lost is against Kansas City, mm -hmm. where they kind of said, "Here you go, Kansas City, win yeah. this game. We don't really want to." You know, win. Kansas City has won a couple of games where the other team has tried its hardest to lose it. That's what it seems like every team has done for the last, pretty much through the Mahomes era at this point. And this seems like, and that just goes really maybe to, this season, but not entirely for the entire Mahomes. Well, era. and I would I would attribute that just to the Chiefs know how to pull out football games. That is and true. Uh, there was the same thing with the Patriots, and I am actually intrigued. Do you have the Chiefs on this list? Uh, perfect segue. The Chiefs are number five. Perfect. So they were two last week, mm -hmm. and they're basically they lost to the Chargers. Patrick Mahomes has looked like a shell of himself. Mm -hmm. He he does not look fantastic. He I I think he's starting to realize that the NFL is slowly but surely catching up to yeah. his ma majestic magician like right. style of mm -hmm. play. And eventually he's going to have to play a little bit more of an orthodox right. method of quarterback. And I think he's starting to know you can see it in his face that he's like, This ain't gonna work anymore. Yeah. You know. It was very evident by the no look where he You know, and it, even it, against Baltimore where he's just just chunking balls everywhere, you know. Hero ball, man. A lot, of, a lot of hero ball. And the and Kansas City, they look a little lack, lackadaisical too. Right. They really do because there are guys, you know, they're fumbling the football left and right. Tyree Kill, Edwards Hilaire, obviously, you know, Kelsey to some degree. I yeah. mean, guys, balls are getting off, going off their hands. They're Kansas City. They they've had a wake up call. And oh yeah. I think they maybe will have one more, and then they're going to turn it around I'm, and then go bananas over the entire AFC. Losing a Super Bowl is the most impactful thing that yeah. a, a franchise will ever encounter because it's the Chiefs now either make their return to the Super Bowl, which if they return to another Super Bowl in the next three years, I think then at that point we will see them continue to go to Super Bowls. I, but right I now, if they start to struggle to return to the, the big game, you could see a, a uh, very long drought. For the Kansas City you, Chiefs. You, now, I don't know if it will be Not as, long. I'm just yeah, saying. Maybe. But it, it won't be as bad as the team that I'm going about to say. And when you talk about how the Super Bowl can negatively impact a team, the team obviously we all think of is the Falcons. Yes. You know, they just haven't been the same since right. blowing that lead. But, you know, that can that happen to Kansas City? Quite possibly. Mm -hmm. Also, can it jumpstart Kansas City back into going to Super Bowls? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it happened with Buffalo. I mean, they went to four straight, albeit they lost all four of them. I, I like that you have the Chiefs. On still in the top five mm -hmm. because one and two is yeah. it, it means too, nothing to me because early. we saw the the Patriots year after year start off slow and yeah. then just catch their yeah. stride and I I still think the Chiefs are yeah they're gonna be in the playoffs and they're, they're gonna, gonna be, in the, be in the they're probably gonna be in the AFC title game if not the divisional game yeah they're my second highest rated rated AFC team at okay. the moment number four Arizona nice. and last week they were five they get a bump up. Um, their defense showed up. Yeah. 
you know, they their defense turned somebody over. Byron Murphy had two interceptions. He's actually the NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Scored a touchdown against, I believe it was Minnesota? Nope, that was week two. I mm. cannot remember who they played. Jacksonville. Yes, it Jacksonville. was Jacksonville. Yeah, I couldn't remember. It was yeah, just it Jacksonville. Was, it was, so of yeah, all teams to forget. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the weekly two interceptions thrown yes. by Trevor Lawrence. Um, yes. So, but obviously we know their offense is just, you know, running rush all on over everybody place, yeah. who's on their schedule. So it'll be interesting to see how they fare against the Rams this week. Oh, yeah. Who we have not touched on, but newsflash, we will. Number three is Buffalo, my highest rated AFC team. And this is around the area where I had Buffalo originally, mm-hmm. but then they just started out so shabby. Yeah. You know, they, they dropped the game to Pittsburgh, who, which now we look at it like, ugh, Pittsburgh, ugh, not looking good. But, you know, 43 points over what I thought was going to be the best team, the best defense in the NFL in Washington. Yeah. That has not been the case no, at all. It's been kind of... Very surprising, honestly. It's been surprise. It's been bad. Right. Really, it's been it's really been bad outside of the game against the Giants. But again, it's the Giants. Giants. Um, they give up forty three to Buffalo. Josh Allen was just slinging it all over the place. Right. And I think the Bills are gonna gonna make another run. Who's are the Bills the biggest challenger to Kansas City in the AFC, in your opinion? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I still say that, but it's so. Do you know who I think is the biggest challenger to Kansas City right now, getting back to the Super Bowl? I think it's Denver. I was going to say Oakland. I confuse Boise and Baylor the, right. entire, the entire day, so today you get a pass for that, at least from me. Thank but you. the reason why I think Denver is because if Kansas City continues to lose these games, and they might lose another one, mm-hmm. Denver's schedule is markedly easier than Kansas City just because of how they finished last year. Right. So... If Denver is in a position where they win the division, it may or may not be because they beat Kansas City. It may just be because they just finished higher than Kansas yeah. City. Now Kansas City has to go on the road for all three postseason games. Okay. And we've, ne- we've never seen that before. We don't know how this team will react to that. So I think Denver being 3-0 and right now, and right now with a two-game lead over, over Kansas City, I think that makes them a viable threat. Because in the end, I believe Denver is better than the Raiders. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think their defense will will play markedly better than the Raiders over the course of the season. And if you get a team where, hmm, we can't score. Yeah. Not to mention, Kansas City's defense is pretty atrocious right yeah. now. It's in, a, it's in a really bad state. So I think Denver right now is the biggest threat to Kansas City at the moment. I can see I can see that. I like that. Yeah, we're their, talking about in real football terms. Right. I think it's Buffalo. No, right. As far as head-to-head, it's Buffalo. Mm-hmm. But I like how you're bringing the, the aspect of not necessarily they're going to beat Kansas City at any point in the playoffs. Or, and they might. They could. They could. They could. But the fact that they are going to make Kansas City's playoff run more Ex- difficult. Exactly. I like that. So Be- it's more of an indirect yes, impact. Because they don't get the bye. And after you, once you don't get the bye, you've got to play an extra game. Well, forget not getting the bye. If they don't win their division, they're going on the road. Right. And has, Kansas, has Mahomes had to make a... Run in the playoffs. Well, on the he road? almost he almost beat New England, but even that 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 was at home too. That was at home. I don't. So I don't think they have. Yeah, they won the division each of the last five years, which predates Mahomes. Yeah, no, Mahomes never. Yeah. So interesting. That's going to be that's, that's unfamiliar new, territory. That, that's, that's new territory yeah, for Kansas City. I like that. Um, number two, Tampa Bay. They were number one last week, but they lost to the number one team, who is the Rams. And the Rams' defense is one of the best in the league. Their offense yes. is just bananas. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, Compare the Rams and the Buccaneers for me. 
so I compare the Rams and the Buccaneers. I personally think I still have the Bucks at my number one. Okay. And that's just because the Rams beat the Bucks mm-hmm. in week three. If and most likely when these teams meet up in the playoffs, mm-hmm. the Bucks and Brady and Arians and just Todd Bowles and the the amount of just football minds that they have from head to t- now Richard Sherman, which may not be the most skillful player they can add, but as far as a mind and a veteran oh, yeah. for that locker room, yeah, I just don't see that type of team losing twice to the Rams. Okay, now the, the Bucks secondary is awful it's, it's hurt it's, it's awful even when it's even when, it's, when it's healthy, healthy it's, it's still not good and it is they played a phenomenal super bowl but and and their playoff run was great of course but besides almost lost to taylor heineke besides that playoff run the defense last season which many people just kind of forget because of the playoff run was their secondary was very shaky yep their front seven is always gonna right always gonna deliver it's always gonna make the running teams just don't run against the bucks right and which puts even more pressure on your secondary. Right, and then the secondary, which is which is a great point, because a, a great front seven in a, a very shaky and pretty bad secondary, no, no one's complimenting each other on that defense. Right. And so where you have the, the Rams, where everyone is literally complimenting each other on that defense, yeah. because you have the best corner in the league, and probably the first or second best defensive player in the league, and then the only reason I say probably, probably first or second is because the other <laughs> second or first player is Jalen Ramsey. Is, well, yeah, you have you can interchange the two. Right. That defense is yeah. It's just from head That's to one of toe. The, yeah, one of the greatest interior defensive linemen of all time. Right. And so the Rams look, they definitely look like the best team in the NFL right now. Right. It is so early that I'm still gonna put them at two just because even though a loss. What would it What would it take for the Rams to overtake Tampa? Well, in Tampa. Your for all all we know right now, Tampa could go on a stretch of of losing football games. And the last time they lost to the Rams, it was their second loss in a row because they lost to the Chiefs and then they lost right. to the Rams. Who knows how Tampa's season is going to play out. It's going to need either the Rams just going on a, an absolute run that separates them from mm-hmm. the Bucks, or the Bucks are going to have to go on a stretch of losing games. But I just don't see either one of those happening. The Rams might win a couple games consecutively and just yeah. they might heat up, but I just see the Bucks also winning a bunch of games consecutively. These two teams, to me, will not move from the first and second spot on the power rankings. It's going to take something extremely drastic from another team to bump one of these teams out. Okay. But these two teams are probably going to play again in the playoffs. And I would look forward and to it And I'm looking well. forward to it as well. All right. And hopefully you guys will be looking forward to, it as, to yeah. us as well. Um, let's go do radio tonight. Let's go do radio tonight. It's a great yeah. way. Uh, rest, rest your voice up. All right. That's Landon Bethay. My name is Grayson Singleton. God bless. Keep cool. This has been the Spinning Sports Podcast. We will see you guys next week. Take it easy. <laughs>